And there was a moment in the emergency room where I stood, they had whisked my daughter away. And I stood standing down this dark corridor and I looked down the hallway. There was a light at the end of the hallway. And I felt the Lord say that to me. I felt him speak his word, acknowledge who he was and call me by name. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. With me on the show today, all the way from Waco, Texas, I have author of A Perfect Storm, guest speaker, and all around amazing woman of God, Sarah Nelson is here with me today. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm great. It's really hot down here. It's like 105 degrees. I am on my way. So I'm that person, like heat and humidity doesn't like bother me because I think it's because we see winter here for you know, up until Mother's Day, but it's just me. I I need I need the summer. I need those few months before leaves start changing colors and snow starts falling. So, but I'm biased. Thank you so much for for being on today. I know I have you for a short period of time, so I'm just gonna dive into into your story, all the things that you've been. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Where'd you grow up and where are you from? Well, I currently live in Waco, Texas. I grew up in Dallas. I actually was born in Detroit. From there, moved to Indianapolis where my mom is from. My dad was an associate pastor of youth and music until I was five. And when I was five, we moved to Texas and I've stayed here and this is what I consider home. Although we have tons of family up in Indiana, lots of friends in Michigan, up actually in in the Midwest where you guys are. So I've been up in that area a lot, beautiful parts of the country, but I currently live with my family. My husband, Mark, and I are celebrating our 22nd year of marriage this week. I have three children. Seth, my son is 16. Hannah Grace, my daughter just turned 15 this last week. And my youngest daughter, Adelie, is 11. And like I said, I grew up in Dallas. I grew up in a Christian home. I'm the oldest of four girls and went to Baylor, graduated in Baylor with a business degree and decided to do that because I had felt God's calling a music ministry on my life and wanted to make sure I could support it. And so I have a background in business, music ministry, and it's been interesting over the last few years how God has uh, really just taken me to a place of saying, I don't just have this area of ministry for you, but I have another area of ministry for you that I need you to be open to. So that's where we live. We have lots of business projects going on, lots of fun kid activities, lead a pretty busy lifestyle, but we are in Waco and call it home. And apparently it's a cool place to be now. So we're, we're thankful for that. There you go. As I, as we said at that, the, at the start, you are the, the author of a book, a perfect storm. And I just wanted you to share any part of your, your testimony that you would like to dive into about the inspiration of the book, where everything, how everything started, where, what gave you the, the idea to write it, all of it. So whatever you want to dive into and share, please feel free. Well, I'll start off by kind of telling what happened. Our perfect storm happened in 2014. We were on our first family, a five ski trip in Park City, Utah. My husband and I had been there and gone there skiing. We had taken the other two when they were younger for years, but this was the first time we went with our daughter, Adelie, who had just turned two. And so we were there the first day we woke up and I noticed something was different about my daughter. We found ourselves in a children's hospital in Salt Lake City. They diagnosed her with an ischemic stroke on the left side of her brain, no pre-existing conditions, completely out of nowhere. 
And there we were in the pediatric intensive care unit when the doctors looked at me and said, we cannot find a cause. We don't know why this happened, but we consider that a good thing, which is a lot to process and take in because her symptoms included losing her speech. She was paralyzed on the on the right side of her body. So she could no longer talk, walk, or move on the right side of her body. And so we were supposed to take this news as good news that we couldn't find or determine where this stroke came from. And in that moment, the team of neurologists looked at us and said, this happened because there were probably many components that came together at the right time, the right place, in just the right way to cause a perfect storm. And as we were in the hospital, we began to pray over our daughter. We began to go through the process of what this means for the rest of our lives, for the rest of her life. And as we experienced God's presence, I experienced him in a very powerful way, in a way that the Lord said, I am here, I am God, and I am constant. So there were so many lessons that he breathed into our situation at that time, just to reveal that he was there to us and just to show us that he loves us. And that when we are going through a very dark time, he is going to minister to us in ways to show how he loves us and to get us through those circumstances, regardless of what that outcome looks like. And there was a moment in the emergency room where I stood, they had whisked my daughter away. And I stood standing down this dark corridor and I looked down the hallway. There was a light at the end of the hallway. And I felt the Lord say that to me. I felt him speak his word, acknowledge who he was and call me by name. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, Sarah, I'm here. I am God and I am constant. At the same time, I just felt this peace drape over my shoulders as if he had draped a cloak of peace around my neck. And it didn't make the stress that I was feeling in my stomach or the pain that I was feeling for my daughter go away, but it helped me sustain it. And he gave me a steadfast strength to stand on through the next few years and through the time that we spent in the hospital with her. And in that moment, he also spoke to me in a way to give me eternal perspective because I was standing in this hospital trying to envision what our life was going to look like. The rug of normality had been pulled out from underneath us. We had two children who were also five and seven. So I'm thinking, what is our life going to look like? I imagined me wheeling Adelie in a wheelchair to school down the hallway of our church I thought, am I going to have to go back and get a handicapped vehicle? What what are we going to do? And in that moment, I knew that the Lord gave us peace to see eternal perspective. Because what that meant was her body was broken, but he allowed me to see how temporal this earthly existence is and how quickly it goes by. And I knew that no matter what her body or life looked like on this earth, she would one day be whole again with Christ Jesus. And he gave me so many lessons in those deep moments. And so then as we were in the hospital for the next two weeks, and then she was admitted into Dallas Rehabilitation Hospital for Children, where we stayed for about a month. Initially, her prognosis is that she would stay eight to 12 weeks to have intensive rehabilitation for speech, her arm, her leg, occupational physical therapies. 
But during this time, we not only began to see this incredible recovery and a jumpstart to, to this recovery, but I began to continue to feel these lessons that God had breathed into the situation. And during this time we were in the hospital, our life group put together this basket. And in this basket was a ring that you find in a three ring binder. And they had written scripture on the note cards and put the note cards on this ring and left it in this basket. And I would look at these scriptures daily and pray over them. And it was through these scriptures, God just revealed his presence, revealed how he was working, gave us a miracle jumpstart into her recovery, which is laid out in this testimony in this book. And I began to feel the responsibility because I knew that there were so many people praying for her. It's also a story of community coming together from Texas to Detroit, Michigan, to Indiana. As I mentioned before, we have family there, to my sister in California, to friends on the East Coast. And we ended up having what I call this army of prayer warriors praying over my daughter. Many people I did not even know. I had started a Caring Bridge blog at the time and just began to feel the responsibility that I was seeing their prayers answered. And I felt like the Lord was saying now in these Caring Bridge updates. This isn't just about updating her physical progress, but it was about relating to how the Lord was working so people could see their prayers being answered. Mm -hmm. Because in that moment, I knew that would be a faith builder to those out there that were praying for our daughter. And I began to understand that. And one of the things that my husband said to me, he said, Sarah, this may not be about us. We never know the bigger picture. And so I just had this overwhelming responsibility that this story was meant to be shared. And I don't feel that way about all stories. I feel like there are stories that we have, experiences that we have with God that are just ours. They're intimate. They're between us and God. And then there are other stories that, that are meant to be shared, to build the faith of us and of others, to see how God is working. And so fast forward, there is a situation where we are in this rehabilitation hospital. I am seeing the prophet of my daughter. And one night I began to feel the Lord impress on me to share a testimony of Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I felt God saying to me, I want you to share this testimony of how I've used the scripture to prepare you over the last two years for this situation. And I didn't want to do it. I was going through a lot of emotion. I was a parent. I was a caregiver. I was an advocate. I was receiving a lot of information from doctors. I'm trying to move my daughter through this, this journey, move myself through this journey, move my other children and family through this very emotional time. And I just couldn't shake it that I was supposed to share this individual testimony on this blog with this next mm -hmm. update. And it was as if, if God was kneading dough in my stomach just this kneading dough and I couldn't shake it. It just felt too vulnerable. It doesn't seem like a big deal now when I talk about it, like, oh, I've, why would you not want to share something on a blog? But this was, you know, nine years ago and blogging now is different than what it was then. Right. Social media is different than what it was then. And so as you look at this picture of where we were, we were in this children's inpatient rehabilitation hospital in downtown Dallas. It was under the umbrella of a hospital system that is a faith-based hospital system called Baylor Hospital. Those in Texas are very aware of Baylor Scott and White Hospital System. And so in this children's hospital, they would have 
chaplains come and pray with you, pray over your children. And on each tray that they brought them food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there was a scripture on the tray. And so after feeling like the Lord wanted me to share this testimony in her next update, in this next blog that I was going to put together, I prayed one night. I put her in her hospital bed. I laid down in my hospital bed next to her. And I said, Lord, this is too much. This is too much. I don't want to do this. But if you want me to share this testimony of Psalm 118, 24, then I need you to show it and make it very clear. I I need a sign. I'm going through a lot right now. This is a life-threatening crisis. I just need you to make it known to me. And so I went to sleep. I handed handed it off to the Lord. The next morning, they brought her breakfast tray in. And the scripture on the breakfast tray was Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice to be glad in it. So not only did God show me, he gave me an answer on a silver platter. Mm. And so the next day I took time in my update on this blog to share this additional testimony. I didn't want to make it about myself. I didn't want to turn it into a platform of selfishness. I wanted it to be about my daughter. That that was my biggest fear. But I had to take the steps of obedience and then hand it off to the Lord and and realize I may never know why he wants me to share this testimony on this blog. Because at this point, there were thousands of people reading this. And I just had to be okay with not knowing and just following through and posting it. And even though it felt very raw and very vulnerable, I just had to be okay with that and give it to the Lord. So fast forward about six weeks later, I got home and my friend, Shelly, who is a featured guest in this book slash devotional, came up to me, the elementary school, because I was trying to spend time with my son after we got home on for his field day event. And our daughter and son were in the same class. Now, that I say fast forward, six months prior to this, she had shared with me she was going to have her fourth baby. And so I was excited for her, but, but I had been in a vacuum. I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't seen her. I hadn't talked to anyone. I had no idea what was going on at home in our community. And so here we had just gotten home. I'm at field day at my son's elementary school. I run into my friend, Shelly. She's now in her third trimester and she looked beautiful. And she walked up to me and I said, Shelly, I am so glad to see you. You look beautiful. What are you having? I wanted to know, is it a girl or is it a boy? And she looked at me and she said, Sarah, she said, I'm having a girl, but she's not going to live. And my heart broke. And even though I had been through a life-threatening situation with my own child, here we had been away in the hospital, I still had no words. I felt so ill-equipped. And I looked at her and I said, I am so sorry. And I felt ill-equipped because I had just been able to bring my child home. Not only had my child received this incredible recovery, yes, we would go on for years of therapy and years of help. But my child was able to come home and live a new normal, but live a normal life. But she then said something to me that astounded me. And I was floored and I had no words. She said, but Sarah, I read your blog and your testimony on Psalm 118.24. And she said, it changed my perspective on how I'm dealing with this. And in that moment, I was so humbled because I understood one of the reasons Or maybe the biggest reason the Lord had wanted me to share that as I was going through a crisis because my friend was at home preparing to lose her child. And I had no idea, but the Lord allowed me to see the fruit of how he was working. 
And so the testimony goes on and people can read it in this devotional. On June 25th, her daughter, Caroline, was born. And later that day, she passed. And Shelly beautifully describes how the Lord ministered to her that day and how she went home empty-handed. She got in her bed and then all she knew to do is to grab the devotional off the side of her bedside table and turn to that day on June 25th. And she opened up the devotional and the scripture for that day was Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. To say that no matter what happens in our life, God is good. And that's so wonderful for her to be able to share that in this book as well. In the devotional of God ministers to the brokenhearted and God is good all the time because it shows us how beautifully God ministers to our broken heart in our sorrow and how he can still instill his goodness through our tragedy and our grief. And so fast forward as she processed her grief, as I was processing and through the aftermath this next year, I began to feel the Lord calling me to write all of this down. And I still did not have a vision for it, but it's the journey of creating this book that took me seven years, seven years through the aftermath, through grief, through many days of therapy, through being a parent and an advocate that I finally was given a vision where the Lord said, I want you to write this book. And I was not comfortable with it. I didn't want to write a book. I didn't want to be an author. I'm a writer on a mom's online publication, but I never wanted to be an author. In fact, I used to think that being an author sounded really boring because I'm a people person and I didn't want to spend all my time behind a desk, behind a computer. But I will tell you, after seven years, I was able to release this book and there's so much in the journey that the Lord taught me and brought me through along the way to encourage me. But that is the journey of obedience and, and seeing how God ministered to us, taking the scriptures, understanding that he wanted me to write a devotional to tell a personal story, yet to use that as the backdrop, but then to bring the scripture and lessons of Christ and application to the forefront of a devotional so that anyone reading this book can relate to it. And they can understand how scripture comes to life through the Holy Spirit and speaks to us in the same ways and in different ways, even if we're going something through something completely different. And so it's been incredible to see how God brought us through the journey to write this book. And then it's been incredible in the last couple of years to see the ministry that he has brought forth and the fruit of when people read this book or when they hear the testimony, they can relate their stories and hearing people come up and say to me, I relate to what you're going through. This is what I'm going through. And God talked to me in the same way and revealed himself through this way, through the scripture that you're talking about. It's been incredible. And so that's really where, that's where the book started from. And it's been incredible because my biggest fear was that it would see that it, it would appear that I took a crisis from my child and turned it into a platform. And I didn't want that. I resisted it for a long time. But what the Lord did was he took a crisis and he turned it into a platform of ministry. And all he did was ask me to obey. And so really that is the journey of how a perfect storm devotions during a crisis was birthed. I'm going to do my best to recap some of this. So <laughs> it's, it's always amazes me when you read the Bible and it says he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Right. And it's and if you're new to to this podcast, 
then this may be the first time you hear me say this. If you've been here before, then you've heard me say this no less than probably 55 times, but our testimony is for someone else. Yes, it is for us to to learn and grow and and you know, if God allowed it, there's something to be learned from that. But those experiences, once they happen, to similar to your your story, we why would we want to we cannot keep those things in because they may be the very thing that sets somebody else free. They may be the very thing that keeps someone else going. They may be the very thing that just gives someone the hope that they need, whether it be for that day or just to keep going in life. We don't know. There's so much power in the testimony. I've seen people argue and debate scripture. How are you going to argue and debate someone's life experience? What are they going to do? Tell you that this did not happen to you? Well, they, they'd be wrong. They would, they'd be, they'd be dead wrong. So I, you know, we talk about this one here too, that, that our experiences that God made us unique. He made, he intentionally made us the way that we are on purpose. And he created us in such a way that no one else can do the very things that he called each one of us to do. So it is important that we authentically be ourselves because everyone else is already taken. So I might as well just be me and you might as well just be you because everyone else is already taken because those experiences and those stories are going to be unique to us for someone else to grow the kingdom, to enhance the kingdom, whatever the plan and purpose is of said experience, God is going to use it. And like you said, you had no idea that that experience is going to minister to someone who was that close to you. I think you said six, it was six months apart, but it, it ministered to someone who was that close to you in a situation you didn't even know what was going on. So it's it's why from a personal standpoint, I try to share my testimony with with people or I share it on platforms like this when I do other other shows to share those life experiences because it may not be for everyone, but if it reaches the one, then God be the glory. If it reaches a million, God be the glory. That's right. And this testimony ministered to me and taught me so much about the scripture of Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. You know, Paul relates Christian sufferings to Christ's suffering and talks about how God gives us comfort. And so it says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And it took me a while to see how God put this together. And when I say a while, I'm talking a few years. Because even though it seemed real and obvious, when you're walking through a crisis and an aftermath, it takes a while sometimes to look back and put the pieces together. But what God helped me to see is that this testimony is unique because there is a pivot point. There's a pivot point that when we are in a crisis, we need to receive God's presence. We need to receive all that God wants to give us as we walk through it. But at some point, we can get to a place where we can pivot. Instead of looking inward, we can then turn and look outward and know that as we move forward, we can then look and see how God wants us to use what we've been through to minister to other people because he uses us to bring comfort to other people and to minister to each other like you know, being the hands and feet of Jesus. It's unique because it does have that moment where we pivot from looking inward to looking outward and looking for ways and looking for opportunities to minister to others. And and I feel like that is such a place of healing because even if we are not fully healed physically, it is an internal healing. It is a spiritual healing of how we are supposed to live our lives for Christ. 
and to use our experiences for Christ. Some of my my testimony deals with addiction. So I can, when I come across other men who struggle with, with addictions to alcohol, for example, and they come to me and they'll say things like, I'm having trouble expressing how I feel to my friends and family. Well, that's because you've been numbing your pain and your emotions for X, Y, Z amount of years. And you've been using this coping mechanism that has only brought death and hasn't brought any life to you. Who better to minister that person? Someone who's done the exact same thing, that's who's right. been through the exact same thing, who said the hurtful thing or said the thing out of express themselves and have a, a healthy conversation or a healthy disagreement. You know, Jesus comforted me through a lot of well, not a lot, all of my my struggles and my 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 weaknesses, my darkest moments, my hardest times. And he carried me through that. So it gives me some insight to help someone else who may be going through something similar. I never assume that because they may be going through, you know, my grandmother passed away. Well, their grandmother passed away. I never assume that we're experiencing the same emotions. Right. I never assume that we're having the same highs and lows, but it gives me some insight to come alongside you to kind of help minister you through that situation the way Christ would. And always point you back to him, not back to me, but point you back to the cross, point you back to the resurrection, point you back to the word of God, whether it's praying, fasting, whether it's let's just go out and work out or let's go bike ride, whatever it is, whatever love needs to look like for that day, let's let's see what that looks like. So who better to minister to that person and comfort them in that situation, someone who was comforted in a very similar situation? It goes back to testimony. Yes. And through this journey of accepting the fact that I was supposed to write a book, accepting the fact that I was supposed to share a very personal testimony was uh, grueling. Because the Lord really had to bring me out of a lot of fear. And I don't, I don't experience a lot of fear. I'm not a fearful person. But for the first time, I began to be gripped with, am I supposed to do this? A fear of what will people think? How is this going to look? And I also was praying for confirmation that I was on the right track, that I was hearing God correctly. And it was a thoughtful prayerful several years of really seeking God's confirmation and working through the process. And like you said, our testimonies are supposed to be heard. And I was doing a study of Paul and I realized that wherever Paul went, he gave his testimony, you know, wherever Paul went, he was able to testify of how he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, how the Lord had revealed himself to him. And how he was sharing with these people and why he was able to give a story and a, an account of his testimony everywhere he went. And it was just a confirmation of testimonies are of God. This is why he reveals himself to us. This is why he allows us to share. So that was one confirmation. And then as I moved forward, I was gripped with this intense fear that I knew I would be speaking and sharing to women who have lost children. Now, I'm I'm thinking this, and the Lord has placed this on my heart. This is before I ever even released this book. I really did not have a lot of foresight as to the ministry that God had with this book, but I sensed that I would be speaking and sharing, yet I was still trying to get through the process of finishing writing the book. And I was just gripped with this fear. And finally, as I prayed over it, I realized that that was not on me because I had never lost a child. So I was afraid that women would look at me and say, it's easy for you to talk about God's goodness when you've never lost a child. And I, th I thought I'm ill-equipped for this. And one day the Lord just 
said to me, Sarah, I have the testimony of Shelly. She is a part of this testimony. Mm. I used your situation to minister to her. I've already done this work. So, so it took that fear away because I, I rely on her testimony and I rely on what God did through that to speak to these women who have lost children. And it is incredible that when I do go and give testimony, a lot of the time Shelly can't be there because she has four kids at a full-time job. But when I tell the account of how God used my situation to minister to Shelly, women will come up to me and they will ask me questions. And I know how to answer those questions because I rely on how Shelly and what Shelly did and the answers that she has shared with me and how she has worked through this and navigated this loss and grief. I'm able to use her account to minister to these women. And so I do think that oftentimes when we are called to do something, we are faced with fear just because we're called to do something doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And oftentimes, you know, you're called to do something when Satan hits you with fear. He wants to stop you, right? He doesn't want you to go out and give God glory. And I knew that that fear was not from the Lord, but he overcame that because he's already overcome the darkness. He's already overcome Satan. He's already given us the victory through his power and through his sacrifice. And so as we were able to get over that hump, as I was able to get over that hump, it has been incredible to see how God has used that. I mean, I could have never imagined he would have used uh, this situation in the ways that he has. So whatever degree you want to jump into this, what advice would you give to a woman who has lost a child? And then what advice would you give to someone who is trying to minister and, and support them through that situation? Well, I don't have what I consider advice, but what I can say from the experiences that I've seen is that if those women have lost a child is to do one thing that Shelly did. And that is oftentimes these women will introduce themselves. I'm a mother of five children. I might have four living children, but I'm the mother of five because in many situations, in appropriate situations, it allows these mothers to acknowledge that child, which is very healing for them. Oftentimes they will go never talking about it they won't feel like they want to bring it up because they're afraid others might feel uncomfortable. But what I have seen is that when women do that, it doesn't allow them to share what they've gone through with other women and other groups of people who can support them and who can walk alongside them and who can minister to them. I know several people who, several women who do that. The next thing I would say is find a community of women who can support you, who can be an ear for you. There are incredible ministries and churches. One of the ministries that I speak to often is Mops International. It's mothers of preschoolers. And then they all and it's for moms of of babies in and preschoolers. They also have a group called Moms Next for moms who have children through elementary school through and oftentimes if you find one of those groups, they are usually hosted by a church in your local area. And that's a one group in one way to join a community of other mothers who can walk alongside you in that grief and then who can help offer and direct you to resources of counselors, of staff members who might be equipped if you need additional counseling. So those are two things that I say based upon what I have learned from watching these incredible women go through this process. As someone who has received the help and the care and the ministry of others walking through a crisis, I would say 
how do we help other people? All we have to do is open our eyes and look look around. And I'm going to give one example of what a family friend did for me. We had a family friend who their daughter was born with Down syndrome and six weeks prior to Adelie's hospital stay, their daughter, Rebecca, had open heart surgery and they were in the hospital for an extended stay. And when we came home from the hospital in Salt Lake, we had one night before I then took Adelie to admit her into the inpatient rehabilitation hospital. And what my friend Evie did for me was she put a large bin together with all of the things that I was going to need for an extended hospital stay. I didn't know because I had never been in the hospital for that long other than going and having my own children, but she had been there for weeks and she knew what I would need. And she gave me a bin of towels, bath mats, snacks, utensils. She gave me all of the things that I needed, but I didn't know I needed. And so that's just one example of how we can minister to others is is looking and saying, you know, they're going to be in the hospital. What are they going to need that they don't know they need? And I've actually then been able to do that for other people I know who have been in the hospital and I've been able to pay it forward. So it's just looking for ways like that based upon their their experiences. Maybe it's just standing alongside of someone and you know, hey, the best thing to do isn't to try to speak into their situation. The best thing to to say to them is, how can I help? How can I pray for you? And what do you need? Those are the three most powerful questions that we can ask someone. Because oftentimes we're afraid of saying the wrong thing, or we don't know what to say, but we need to say something. We need to acknowledge what they're going through. That's the best way to reach out and ask them those three questions. Thank you so much for for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your insight, everything you've you've given us today. Um, I have got to get you back on here because I feel like we just tipped the iceberg or uh, for all the things that you you've uh, you got your hands in. So that brings me to the final segment of the show today. This is our let them know segment where you can share anything that you would like with the audience, no matter whether it's an upcoming speaking engagement, maybe a new book that you have coming out. Please, Sarah, let them know. Well, first of all, you are so kind to think about any upcoming book that might be coming out. I get the question all the time. Okay, Sarah, when are you writing your next book? And my answer is I'm still recovering from the first one. But you know, if God lays that on my heart, I am I'm ready for that moving forward. But in answer to your question, I am in the process of speaking engagements through this next fall and spring, and then in 24, 25. So I have allowed myself to be available to the Lord and to women's ministries and then to women's ministries and other ministries in the area of crisis and motherhood and be an advocate for your child. And so if someone is interested in that, they can reach out to me through my website, which is Sarah Nelson blog. It is under construction, but they can still have my contact information there. It's been incredible to see what God is doing. And if someone wants to go and buy the devotional. It is on Amazon. It's called A Perfect Storm Devotions During a Crisis. And I don't just use that as a plug, but I use that because, and want to tell people about that because I've seen how people have used it as a resource for their own life. And then they gift it to other people that they know going through a crisis. And so it's been an incredible tool for people to reach out and do what we've been talking about to minister to others and say, hey, this is a gift. You can read it on your own time in a time that's good for you, but it's been incredible to see how God has used it. 
Thank you so much. If there is one last thing, if you wouldn't mind praying us out before we end this episode, I would really appreciate it. I would be, I would be glad to. Lord Jesus, we come to you. We thank you so much uh, for this area of ministry where people can tune in and listen to the testimony of what God is doing through this ministry and through Eric and all that he is doing. Lord, I just pray for every listener today who is listening to this podcast. If there is someone who doesn't know you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would reach out to them and they would accept you and understand you as their Savior. Lord, I pray for those who might be going through a difficult time, who might be walking through darkness, who might be going through a crisis. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a mighty way, that you would bring people into their life who can pray for them, that you would bring people into their life that can speak the word of God into their existence and into their darkness, and that you would walk them out and through this situation. Father, we ask for your power to do the work that only you can do. And I just uh, pray over each of these listeners, over their families. And I thank you for the victory that you've given them and that you've given us all through your sacrifice, your resurrection, and your victory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Father, I just thank you um, for this time today that we could just lift you up and honor you. Lord, I just thank you for being faithful to your word. I thank you for just sending your son to to die for each one of us, Lord. Father, I just pray for everyone who has been listening to this podcast, that this episode just ministers them and speaks to them and draws them near to you. Lord, this isn't about us. We are doing this unto you, Father. So I just pray that your will be done in the lives of each one of the people listening, including Sarah and myself, Father. And I just thank you for um, everything you're doing in her and through her, Lord. I thank you just for her, yes, the blessing that she is to so many. And I thank you the, for the all the people that her testimony is going to continue to touch. Lord, we just pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate it. We're going to have to get you back on here soon so we can talk about everything else that you've been doing. So That sounds great. I'd love to come back. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to it. 